Our gospel lesson for today, Easter Sunday, is taken from Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. After the Sabbath, at the first day of the week, was dawning. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised. As he said, Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. They came to him, took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, people of God on this most holiest of days, may the grace and peace of our triune God be yours now and forever. Amen. The story that I'm going to share with you might sound familiar. I've shared it before. Some of you have perhaps heard it, but if some of you are new out there in the digital realm, this will be a new one to you. A little over two years ago, my wife and I had the opportunity to travel to the Holy Land, and along with about 13 other people, we spent uh, the better part of two weeks traveling around and seeing many of the important locations, the important sites around Israel, the Holy Land, whatever you want to call it, the places that are important within the narrative of the Bible. Now, we saw many different places, but perhaps one of the most impressive, one of the most important ones that we went to was right in the city of Jerusalem. And it's a very, very large structure known as the, the, the Basilica of the Holy, or the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. Now, within this very large structure, there are many different important spots, but there are two that are actually believed to be very vital aspects here in the, 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 the time of Holy Week, the, the important aspects at the end of Jesus' life. It is thought to hold the actual location of Golgotha, which was the point where Jesus was crucified, the small cliff face where he was crucified. And also not far away, again, within this large overarching structure, is the tomb thought to be where Jesus was laid when he died. Now, when we visited, you can imagine that at that time, there were many, many, many people there. It's, of course, an important uh, location for people all over the world. And so we were able to get in and, and see the tomb. We were able, to, each of us, to cycle in and spend a, a brief moment inside the tomb. But, of course, we had to stand in line and very slowly make our way to it before we were able to do that. Now, the structure itself that houses the tomb, it's actually shaped out of the stone, looks like this, this small chapel. The, the overall size of this whole thing is not a whole lot bigger than the, the, the front altar chancel area here in the sanctuary where I am. But there were so many people that were waiting to get in to see it that it took us an hour and a half of very slowly shuffling together, more and more compact, filing down and finally into a single file line to get around this structure and be able to enter into the tomb. Now, about halfway through that period of waiting, 45 minutes or so, one of the people from our group, I don't remember who it was, but one of the people made a comment. They were making a joke. They said, why are we even doing this? Dude's not even in there. 
it was intended as a joke and we took it as such but you know what today more than ever the theological importance of that statement is off the charts what are we looking for dude's not even in there now i mentioned earlier in this as, as worship started today that ordinarily this worship service will be led by our confirmation students and they did the work of preparing the, preparing the, the service and they also spent some time working with me in order to begin to prepare the message that would be going on right now uh, instead of me preaching they would be together doing a little readers theater message that was actually the last time that we all met together, almost a month ago, March 15th was that particular day. And it was a wonderful opportunity. I sat down with our confirmation students and over the course of about an hour, we just dove into this text, this gospel text that I have shared, the story of Jesus' resurrection out of Matthew. And we came at it from a lot of different ways. We talked about who are the characters, the women, the guards, the angel, Jesus himself, the disciples who aren't present here, though we hear about them. We talked about the mood. What sort of mood would the women be in as they were coming to the tomb? We talked about the reasoning behind. Why are they coming to the tomb? And why are they coming now? And why didn't they come a day and a half before when Jesus had been laid in the tomb? We talked about that overarching setting. We talked about the dialogue that happens in this between the women and the angel and Jesus. We talked about the commands that were given. We talked about the, the response. We talked about many, many different things. We're kind of thinking about this over here, and then we would think about this over here, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this. And they were kind of slow to start, but gradually, the more we talked, they kind of started to see some themes emerge. And those themes were working towards our, our overarching message or the theme of this message. And it was wonderful as they began to connect the dots and to see how they do that. And then suddenly one of them said, wait a minute, is this what you do every week as you're getting ready for a sermon? And I said, yeah, kind of. This is what I do. And they're like, oh, that's really kind of cool. And so that was a wonderful experience for me as a pastor to get to see them experience that and to join with them in that. But as we went through that, we kind of became or we came towards the overarching theme that dovetails off of that statement that happened when I was in the Holy Land a couple of years ago. It's not even in here. And it comes from the command that the women receive. Now think about it. The fact that it's these women is important. And to really realize why, we have to back things up. We have to back up to Friday. By the time of Jesus' death on the cross, the disciples were all gone. They had all abandoned him. He was essentially alone, but there were still some individuals who were able to see what was going on. And it's the women. We hear that the women are standing there. They're watching him on the cross. They're watching as he dies. They're watching as his body is taken down off the cross and as he is laid in the tomb. They were witnesses of his death. That is important now, a day and a half later, as they have gone through the period of the Sabbath and the Sabbath is over and they wait overnight. And now at first light on Sunday morning, they're able to come and to anoint his body because remember, he's dead. They're preparing him for burial now in the first opportunity. But then things happen that are unexpected. As they approach the tomb, there's this shot of lightning-like flash of light. 
and there's an earthquake as this angel comes out of heaven. The guards, the Roman guards who are there, they freak out. They kind of fall down like dead men we hear. The stone is rolled away. The angel sits upon it and addresses the women. Now, the first thing that the angel says seems to be the first thing that a divine being always says when someone encounters them. Do not be afraid. Fear not. Don't be afraid. And then the angel begins to give a command. You are looking for Jesus, who was dead. He has been risen. He is not here. And then the angel says, come and see the place where they laid him. Now remember, these women had watched his dead body placed there. And all logic says, that's it. He'll still be there because dead bodies don't just get up and walk away. And yet that's exactly what seems to have happened. His body, which they watched laid in the tomb, is not there. Now, the angel goes on in this command, go and tell the disciples he is alive, he is risen, and he is going on ahead of you into Galilee. There you will find him. The women are given a task. They're given a duty. They're given a, pro a, a message to proclaim to others. Now, think about that. The first people tasked with proclaiming the risen Jesus, the first messengers of the resurrection, that did not come out of heaven. You know, the angel comes from heaven, gives them the task and the duty and the, the, the message to go and proclaim. He is risen. He is not here. The first messengers of the proclamation, the first, the first messengers of the resurrection were the women. And they take this task. They take this command and their, their experience of what they had seen and now what they're not seeing because they're not seeing Jesus' body. And they run off to find the disciples. And as they go, they encounter the risen Lord. It's in the going to do the proclaiming, to go do the, the message, to give the message, to do the work that they've been tasked with, that they encounter the risen Lord. And he greets them in the exact same way. And he gives them the same message. Go and tell my brothers. I have gone on ahead of them into Galilee. There they will see me. None of this must have met expectations. No wonder the women were afraid. None of this makes sense. None of it does. But the tomb is empty. And in going to proclaim that, they encountered the risen Lord. Now, I want to think about all of this. Because perhaps today more than ever, this is an important thing for us to remember. The women, their mood, their sense as they were coming to the tomb was anything but happy. It was anything but joyful. They were going to do the work of preparing their master, their friend, their rabbi. They were going to prepare him for burial because he is dead and they saw it happen. They knew it happened and they were going to do the sovereign task. Likewise for us today, mid-April 2020, living in the reality of social distancing. We're not gathered here on this joyful day in the way that we would hope to be. I know so many of us love the tradition of getting up and coming to church early and joining in the Easter breakfast and then going off and spending time with family, perhaps coming back for the, the later worship later on in the day of celebrating together here in the building when we gather as the community of Christ to, to celebrate his glorious resurrection. And today we can't do that. We've talked earlier this week, as well as in past weeks, of how hard this has been, how difficult this has been, how emotional it's been at times when we can't do what we want to do, what we feel like we're supposed to do, when everything is just different, when things just don't make sense. But throughout all of this, 
the experience of the women reminds us that even when things don't make sense, even when things are not joyful, even when things are not going according to plan, there is still joy to be had because that tomb is empty. Dude's not even in there. The tomb is empty. He is risen. He's not there. That's the overarching message, the thing that we need to remember today on Easter, that regardless of if we are here in the sanctuary or if you're at home, whether you're wearing clerics like I am or if you're in your jammies or you're in your scrubs, regardless of if we are gathered in a sanctuary or if we are gathering here through a computer screen, the truth remains the tomb is empty. God has given this message sent through a divine being known as an angel. Side note, angel it comes from the word angelos, which literally means messenger. The messenger has brought this message that he is not here, he is risen. He is out in the world and there you will find him. And in the going to tell that story, that's where they find him. For us, the message is the same. The women were given this message. They were given this task. They were given this good news that Christ is risen, sent to share it. Humanity was given the message that Christ is risen and they're supposed to go share it. And that means that we are given the message that Christ is risen and we need to share that too. That is what we take from it. That was the theme that the kids got as we prepared for this message a month ago. Despite all logic, all of this funnels itself down into remembering that we have been given the best news ever. Death has been overcome because not even death can hold back the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is risen. This is the same for us today as it was a year ago, as it was every single Easter before that, and as it will be every single Easter going forward. The tomb is empty. He is risen. Why do we look for the living among the dead? Dude's not even in there.